You are now listening to the Human Launch Project Podcast. For more information, check out thehumanlaunchproject.com. And if you've yet to do so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Dave. What's up guys? This is Antonio. And this is going to be an awesome one, man. We got a... So over the last three, four weeks, I've been posting on social media about dropping uh, questions for us, any questions. You know, I know this is more of a human development mindset, motivation kind of uh, podcast, really uh, life, health, wellness, all of it. We, we try yeah, it's, to... It's everything, man. A little bit of everything. I mean, think about it. It's just how many different areas of your life that you can improve little changes that you can make to make you a better person a better you know he reach goals and just grow and be a great person yeah and uh you know tone and i are not um professionals in you know health physics we're not physicians we're not um you know we're not we're not fitness coaches We're we're not lots of things we're not nutritionists yeah but what we are is always I'm not a surgeon. Always developing. We're always growing, which is why the tagline of this podcast is as we learn together. We launch together. Because we're forming a a movement. We are forming a tribe. A coalition. Of people that are continually developing on, on their own as well as listening through anything that we deliver on this podcast. And... Um, you know, we put out a line out there for people to submit any questions that they had that that they were interested in learning our take about. Um, by no means, again, are we professionals in any of these areas, so don't ever take anything as far as uh, like m- medical advice because that's not what yeah. this is. This is just our take. Take it for what uh, you yeah, know, based on our own personal experiences, what yeah, we what we've learned. Yeah, so far. what we've learned. Because you know, the thing is. The truth is, is you. It doesn't matter what you look at. There's always going to be opposing advice or conflicting information. It's something I've learned, which is why I'm really, really strong about um, encouraging people to use their own discernment and you know uh, use things that work for them. If something doesn't resonate with you, then don't do it. Yeah, I like to say, take what works, discard what doesn't. Absolutely, yeah. Whether, whether when reading, t- digesting information on YouTube, online, whatever it is, hear something yeah. in a conversation, have your radar up. Yeah, because I mean, I always think about diet, for example. There's lots of different diets out there. There's people that, you know, um, swear. There's there's doctors that say this is the healthiest the way, and then there's other doctors that say no you don't do that yeah. you got to eat this well, way what so, works for you may not yeah, work for and that, else and i was kind of that's kind of where my mind goes when i think about conflicting advice you know diet exercise what's more beneficial da, da, da. and it's just like you know those are things that you guys have to figure out on your own what works best for you and this is why we use a lot of our own personal experiences to help explain you know where we're coming from and how it's something has worked for us yeah so take what works discard what doesn't and here we go um this first question comes from Candace, located in Las Vegas, Nevada. It is... What's up, Candace? What's up, Candace? When it comes to treatment for disease such as cancer, do you place any value or belief in the idea that holistic treatments, things like dieting, uh, physiotherapy-focused massages, 
should be combined with medical advice given from doctors at a hospital as an option for patients. So I'm going to go with a direct answer. Yes. And I'd like to elaborate on that. Go ahead. So got one minute. All right. I think um, so. Do I place any value on or belief in the idea that holistic treatments uh, should be combined with medical advice? And I say yes. And I'll explain. So if I don't, I'm like, well, I don't even know where to begin. All right. I'm a really big believer that our belief systems and what we believe and tell ourselves plays a major role in our own health and wellness. And this can be simply put when you look at the placebo effect. However, I also feel like there are certain times where, you know, I think the Western medicine has a place in our society and there are certain situations where I believe that it will, it may, like for example, if there's a tumor that needs to be operated on, then in that with that's like, hey, we can get that thing off and out of you, you know, tomorrow. Right. Then yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it should also be combined with d- proper diet um, and placing your attention on the overall well-being of yourself and other aspects yeah it's it's just like how we introed it's use what works discard what doesn't and for me when it comes to going to a doctor or suffering something so severe as going through uh cancer cancer treatment you know it's i think it comes back on what tone says it's 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 what do you most believe in mm-hmm. um for the longest time i would have said go through whatever was uh recommended recommended from whatever doctor it starts with the relationship with the doctor you know you're not just going to walk into any clinic you're going to do some background information whether they're in line with the way that you think and then go see them and then trust their judgment that's kind of a piece of it and then it really depends on how long or severe it is to you, whatever it is. And I fall back on two things. And one is, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he healed himself through like visualization, visualization and belief being yeah, and belief and being in tune through like your mind body connection. I do put value behind that. But I just went through a um, a broken rib, and by no means did I heal myself, you know, through visualization yeah. or anything. But I really didn't. Install but you are healing yourself. I am healing myself. Proper sleep. You I mean, know. yeah. I mean, your body technically is, you know, mending the wound. Right. And it's a. Uh, we can get into that, but. Yeah, and then the other <clears throat> piece is. A lot of people put a lot of what Tone also said was like around diet where it's like, you know, I'm going to eat all organic. I'm going to eat non-processed foods. I'm eating all green. I'm going to only have, you know, I don't know, bananas until noon, whatever, whatever the funny thing is that they're doing. I just got done, and this is going to answer a question down down the <laughs> line, but I just got done reading uh, Steve Jobs' biography. And if you know anything about Steve Jobs, he had a very, very, very... Um, meticulous and quirky eating habits since he was a teenager and he was pretty much uh, a a full-on vegan and if you know anything about Steve Jobs he died from cancer and it's (laughs) I don't mean to laugh but that's uh that kind of flies right in the face of 
you know, organic eating and veganism. It's really what works for you. This, yeah, this but that's, what and that's kind of, you know? yeah, and that's exactly it. But this is, and this, this subject is so fascinating to me because, you know, I've heard stories of people living, they're like 103 and the, like the news goes and says, you know, to to go. Oh my God! They were sir. smokers. They had yeah, alcohol, yeah, yeah. All they're the like, sir, stuff. you're 103, and this guy's sitting there smoking a cigarette, drinking yeah. Jack Daniels, and it's like, okay, so does that mean that cigarettes and Jack Daniels are the key to health and wellness and living to your 100? Uh, for no, that one person, maybe for that guy, but it's just, and and there's a lot of things that go into the well-being of us as humans, and on the like on that topic recently an occasion so recently i was looking into blue zones and if you guys don't know what blue zones are they are there's like seven different places um on earth where people live where the majority of the people live to be over 100 years old so they're called centarians and there's they and they call them blue zones and they basically studied a lot of these people in terms of like asking them what their diets were like and whatnot but one of the main things that i feel like is overlooked is their social life they have a lot of support and they have a lot of friends and they have a lot of social gatherings right. and this i believe is a huge factor in why these people live so long it's not just because they're eat like for example okinawa japan is one of the places that's considered a blue zone and like 70 percent or something like that, like 65, 70% of their diet is sweet potatoes. Yeah, I also heard another stat. It was like uh, the longevity. They did like a little study, and then they found that a lot of them were uh, drinking wine somewhere in Asia. Yeah, and it, it was like... Or like in Greece, they drink wine, and they eat, uh, they eat olive oil, and they have but cheese. But it, it ended up not being around the, the, the alcohol consumption. It was the fact that because while drinking the wine, they were in a social gathering, yeah. and it was that, it was that human connection Absolutely. that came along with the wine, yep. which is I think we're going to look back on this whole COVID thing and see a lot of these deaths like my heart goes out to anybody who's yeah. lost anybody during this time the isolation and, does not help right when they say like no family members can come in and and, and speak to this yeah, person that's disgusting. like oh man that that part right there really that bothers me oh that bothers me on, on yeah. such a whole nother or level like a funeral funerals being held via zoom I saw yeah, early so on in COVID where there were like drive-through window open casket funeral. It was wow. just wild. Yeah. Oh man, I I I feel so so sorry for those people. The fact that you could not go touch the hand, rub your hand through yeah. their hair, or like whatever, or just even be with their family, the <sighs> other members of the family and community of friends that knew that individual to hug them and tell them like you know he's in a better like whatever however those you know types of conversations go at a funeral at a place of you know when you're grieving the loss of someone yeah um yeah that's it's an it's insane and well, that's another that's a whole nother topic we could we thank the uh we, we thank you candace for that question wonderful question and uh what you got here was a yes from tone and uh a yes from me, and I think what could be added on there by recommendations from anybody in the health field is to have a, a broader social connection as part of a remedy 
for whatever it is that you're suffering through. You know, more family members, more heart closer to you, more love will just generate more love and help you heal in ways, Yeah. you know, maybe not directly related to whatever the, is the ailment, but... So two yeses, that's a yes for you. And I just wanted to add one more thing because I like the way that you worded your question, Candace, and um, and the idea that holistic, holistic treatments. So what I like about that is because I feel like with our current way of applying medicine, so to speak, or medical advice in Western medicine, it's very like spot checking. Like, oh, you have an issue well let's just talk about that issue not really address the body or the individual as a whole so i feel that any treatment in any context should be from the perspective of holistic of treating the individual as a whole regardless of what it is it's not and that goes beyond you know a situation like being diagnosed with cancer but we should always treat ourselves holistically because the thing is, is it's not, if you're having an issue with anything, it's usually coming from somewhere else. You know what? I am a doctor. And my, I just declared myself. My prescription from this point on with you. any, any situation <laughs> I is, I am a doctor is love and uh social connection i wish you guys could have seen the look on dave's I'm, I'm, face I'm, I'm, he just looked over at me i'm and prescribing said, you know love what? and social connection as a remedy for everything moving forward i think that that is that should be applied <laughs> that should be like a given right let's move on um so jason farouk sent in a few questions jason. um we just kind of covered this one but let's uh it's it's they're not direct questions they're just topics to discuss so the ability to listen without thinking of your rebuttal mm. i that's an art man yeah it is an art it's something yeah. that you cultivate within yourself before getting into conversations uh it's something that i worked on for a long time to get to where i'm at now and that is i'm from the east coast i was very quick to respond i had my own argumentative side of things i had my own heavy opinion and yeah lots of should statements yeah it took a lot for me to recognize one that i did it so in in order to get through something like this with focusing on the ability just to listen and not give your your response is one recognize that it's something that you do it's a pattern that you do so how do you correct it you can you can uh, initiate what's known as the 80-20 principle, which is where you uh, go into conversations or arguments where you listen 80% of the time and you only deliver 20% of that time. Uh, there's that. There's also going into any sort of conversation with an intent. This is anything, but you go in with an intent, whether that intent is to listen, whether that intent is to have some sort of outcome by the time it's over, whatever that is. And also, I installed what I call the 60-second rule. And that's when somebody says something to me, I would, I would take literally count to 60, think about whatever it was that was coming my way and how I was going to approach it from that point on. Uh, you could do things like turn around. You could just offer like a finger up and just say, you know, give me a minute 
and and think about whatever it is but i actually did all of these things and i got to the place where i'm at now by installing certain uh response mechanisms or habits um breaking down my old habits which was engage immediately come up with things that did not serve me or responses that did not serve me or reflect my actual opinions so 60 second rule have an intention before you actually go in uh put in the 80 20 principle and something i want to touch on this so the ability to listen without thinking of your rebuttal number one is it's definitely something that you have to put a conscious effort into i've caught myself a lot of times having a conversation with someone and wanting to interject for whatever reason and i'm like all right you gotta let them finish what they're saying sometimes in conversation or even in a disagreement it's really not necessary to touch on every single point that you don't agree with and i learned this a long time ago um that you because what you end up doing when you're constantly trying to address an either let's say like an accusation or a statement that isn't true or that you don't agree with is that you end up you end up creating a couple of different scenarios. One is you sound, you can come off sounding very, very argumentative, right? The other thing is that you can create defensiveness in others or you sound defensive, like you're defending yourself because you're constantly rebuttaling. And so the ability to learn, or excuse me, the ability to listen and not have a rebuttal for every little thing is something that you I have to you have to walk yourself through and find the major the major points of a conversation that you're trying to keep in the conversation without being distracted by all these little things. And yeah. I I learned that real quick like when I'm when I'm working with my clients and teaching them how to train their dogs, there's lots of things that people say that I don't necessarily agree with. But I'm not constantly like, well, that's not true. Well, this, no, no, well, no, that's not. It's like, let's just focus on the main things that can really help this person get by and help them understand their dogs better. Or maybe after they say something in my mind, I'm like, all right, what? Well, that's definitely wrong. But I don't want to say to them, you're wrong. So what I'll do is I'm, I'm listening to them. And in conversation, I'm able to address what they said and explain it to them so that they understand what is correct without labeling them as being wrong. And I think that, again, that's just, um, it kind of goes into being able to communicate well, knowing what you want to say, but also knowing that how you don't want to be, how you don't want to be perceived incorrectly. You don't want to come off wrong. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. I think this question comes from a place of, of you, you've already, Jason, you've already gotten to a place of, I don't know if this question directly relates to something that you do, but you've already recognized a habit or a trait of yourself. Now, what do you need to do to break that habit and and substitute something else in there? So you're already gotten over the first hurdle. You know, one of the major steps of recognizing a, a bad habit or a habit that doesn't serve us is just recognizing that it even exists and and it sounds like you're already there so as robin sharma says uh breaking a habit and forming a new one you know it's 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 difficult at first 
it's going to be messy in the middle and then it's really beautiful at the end. So it's going to be, it's going to be hard to break, but you, you're already at the point where you recognized what it is that's going on. Now it's, you know, what do I, what do I do? Set an intention, utilize the 80, 20 principle, take 60 seconds prior to responding. You know, really it's, it's got a lot to do with the intention behind what it is you plan on extracting and, and how you plan on delivering who you are to whatever that is in your truest form. I just, you can practice the art too of just being silent. You know, sometimes people have said something to me and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to let you think that I don't really care. It's, I don't have to be right. I don't have to change what you believe. I don't have to rebuttal. It just is what it is. Uh, we'll also hit the other question you had was, uh, how do I, uh, break the chain of expectations or, and or breaking, yeah. Breaking the chains of expectations. I like this too. Yeah. Um, I think going into anything, there's a difference between expectations and intentions. Intention is for me, it's how am I going to deliver myself into something? Expectations is you're setting a standard or a bar for, for how somebody else is going to deliver themselves into something. Yeah. And it's impossible for us to do that. If you're expecting anything from anybody, I mean, unless you're a consumer of this, of them, if it's a product that they're that they're delivering to you, or a service, then then that's something else. But if it's just an exchange of conversation or friendship or love, and you're expecting, you know, if you are in a relationship and you expect them to have dinner ready at a certain time like that that's not you delivering your intentions to the world that's you expecting certain personality qualities out of somebody else so how do we break how do we break that what do you think tone uh okay so breaking the chains of expectations well i first of all i feel like if you don't want to constantly be let down, then you need to limit those expectations and realize that like, so, so this is where my mind goes when I hear this, what I've learned, like, for example, I like to travel and I think when I was younger and I would travel, I would have these expectations of like what something was going to be like. Or maybe like you're dating someone and you have this expectation of what the, what they're going to be like in an intimate uh, situation. Just as an example. What I've learned is that those expectations can create a problem within yourself if they're not met. Or if you have expectations and they're, they are exceeded, that's great. But the issue is a lot of times we have expectations that are well beyond what the reality of the situation is. And so, like, I think one something that comes to mind is not that long ago, a couple months ago, um, you know, my wife and I took a little mini road trip out of state to like this little camp area. And we went with a couple friends and one of our friends wasn't really feeling the where we were staying. And he was kind of complaining about it. And he just kept saying, well, it's not what I expected. It's not what I expected. 
And I just kept thinking to myself, like, well, that sucks for you, man, that you had all these expectations because, I mean, I came out here with no expectations other than to appreciate. And let it happen. And let it happen. And I think that. Trust that everything is Yeah, like, and the thing is, too, is here's where my mind went, too. I was like, I create the experience. I don't need, I don't need this location to be absolutely perfect in order for me to have a good time yeah it's you how, know it's what how I mean? perfect can you be in yeah that? like i've been in i've like i said i love to travel and i think for me when i think about like expectations i kind of think about that like if i'm going somewhere and i booked a room like an airbnb you know did it meet my expectations well honestly i don't really have expectations i just know that wherever i'm going i'm gonna have a great time that's what i expect because i expect that from me right not so so breaking the chains of expectations is something that number one is definitely required if you want to be happy. It's internal. It's internal. Exactly. Thank you. You hit that net right on the head. It's internal and it's required if I want to really be happy. Because if I hold other people to what I'm expecting, I'm going to be let down left and right. And so, you know, learning to make the best of a situation that you have at hand is the easiest way to break the chains of expectations and instead. And don't go into anything with any expectations. Go in there knowing that regardless of what it is, you will make the best of it and you will find the good in the situation. And I think that is how you can break the chains of expectations. Yeah, I also, that was awesome, man. And I also think um, this goes a little bit more deeper as far as like a self-reflection, but I heard this uh, from Rob Dial and he says, hurt people hurt people. Mm. And I think what this, how this relates to the expectations is you may want to get behind a journal or get into like, you know, writing down a process of things and see where in your life things have been expected of you and, and, and ask yourself, you know, why is that the case and work through that because somewhere in your childhood or growing up, you we're always expected to do something specific, whether that's in conversations, people were always like agitating you and expecting certain like levels of you. And that is why you're doing it now. So just understand that like, you know, there's something, there's something in all of us, which is the exact, it's a reflection of what we do and how we deliver to the world. It's because we feel those ways inside. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I mean, I hope that helped a little bit for you, Jason. Thank you so much for those questions, man. Um, the next couple questions come from Kevin out of Las Vegas. We got the correlation between nutrition and mental health. And we're also going to piggyback that with uh, another one of his questions. And that is, what is an easy alternative to a bad food choice. I want to touch on this. Yeah, so... I love these questions, guys. I really appreciate you all yeah. taking the time to, to reach out to us and, and um, put these topics and questions together. I think the, the correlation between nutrition and mental health is multifaceted. Mm, huge. It's, um, it's not just simply saying... You're you're either going to be angry, irritated, or just not not depressed. not yeah depressed or have a heavy um, level of anxiety because you eat saturated fat and high sugar foods. 
I think there's a lot behind it as far as structure, as far as knowing yourself, getting to know yourself through the process of the structure, um, the social aspects that come with it as well. Uh, you know, a lot of foods, they become addictive. And then it stems from addictive uh, personality traits that carry on into just general mental awareness and mental health that way. Uh, as far as like you, you start breaking down the structure and start reaching for those addictive, very fatty or high sugar foods, and that just leads to habits. And then it carries over into other mental decisions that you make for yourself. And then you, you don't hold yourself to certain standards and that carries into you know, conversation and different things, and you break down other areas of your life and other pieces of structure that you've already had in place, or it prohibits you from installing this protocol after you've already, you know, you're the type of person that goes into your kitchen and just reaches for a bag of chips rather than building a really healthy meal for yourself. That carries over and plays into how you structure your day. How you value you your plan time. It out, yeah, plan exactly. Out, yeah. Um, so that for me, that's that's the major correlation is it's not necessarily uh, pinpointed on the if you if you eat crappy food, you're gonna live a crappy mental health lifestyle. It's got a lot to do with many different areas of your life. And then as far as uh bad choices or, or like al alternates for what is quote unquote bad food choices. What's a good al alternate for those? Um, again, this is, this is kind of one of those things where it's, uh, you know, take what works, discard what doesn't. <clears throat> and you know, what's healthy for me or what's considered like a healthy food choice for me might be different from what is a healthy food choice for Antonio or anybody, yeah. any one of you guys listening, like maybe your diet is, is where it's at and a healthy alternative to what something you could be eating. Like what if you're like in your freezer or in your refrigerator or on your counter is a bag of like Snickers mini bars. And that's the thing that you always gravitate towards a healthy alternative to that could just be a protein bar, a chocolatey protein bar that mm -hmm. tastes like a Snickers bar. That may be the alternative for you, but where my, where my digestion and where my food in intake is right now, a healthy alternative for like, I don't know, a, a, a typical salad I would make would be using a different type of oil or using a different type of butter or something like that. That would be my alternative. But uh, the lesson that I like to take away from when it comes to the nutrition side of things is, and you're trying to quit anything, and this is going to be an answer for another question that we have, is... Malcolm X said somewhere I've yet to find it where it was done, where it was said um, or documented is that which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate, which means if you don't hate where your body is based on what you're consuming or where your relationship is based on how you interact and engage with it, if you don't hate a piece of that, you're going to tolerate it and just let it go on. So it usually takes like a crisis situation or something really elevated emotionally for us to make changes as adults. And like a healthy alternative to nutrition 
it's it's not going to happen and you're not going to uh, you know a flag's not going to be raised until there's a critical need for that change in some way shape or form whether that's uh, a food substitute or or whatever and like for me in in the diet area I suffered from stomach pains and stomach issues growing up and I had to it had to get so severe to where I was like, all right, screw this. I'm eliminating X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to reverse engineer what I can consume and what I can't. And that's just what it takes. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's going to be some sort of, of, um, just like crack or bend to where you're like, okay, now it's time. I need to change. I can no longer snack on Doritos and nacho cheese all day. It's it's got to be cheddar cheese rice cakes or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, I want to I want to knock these out. The correlation of nutrition and mental health, I think, is huge. Um, and I, I think that it's pretty obvious. For example, for me, if I eat really sugary foods, I feel pretty lethargic and depressed and bogged down the next day. Um. So I've, I have been quite an experimenter when it comes to my own body in terms of like what I eat. I've tried different, um, eating habits, different types of foods and things like that. And so I kind of just, I I pay attention to my body and I think it's important to understand how certain foods affect you. If you're, if there's an issue with, uh, mental health and you're not feeling your hundred percent self, um, or feel like you could feel better, I think it's very important to take a look at what you're putting in your body and what you're consuming in terms of food. Um, because as the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I firmly believe that because you think about it, like your body literally takes what you're consuming and you're eating and it breaks it down and then it uses it to restore parts of your body. We, so, we were talking about this the other day, but I, uh, I heard it. It's you're not you're not just we are just what we eat. We are what we ate, ate. Yeah. (laughs) Another (laughs) level to think about. Yeah. It goes pretty deep. Um, So the other question that Kevin has is, uh, how can somebody combat the cravings for sugary uh, foods when their mind thinks something bad happens? I think number one is addressing the fact, like if you're acknowledging the fact that you stress, that you're stress eating, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be for some people like when something bad happens it could be like celebration because i know for me i i like to go out and celebrate with food if i have something really good happen or like the weekends here and Cheat i don't day. have work i'm like oh yeah i can yeah. Eat. you know i just feel like a little bit more relaxed and you know um i've noticed those patterns in myself uh, back in the day, when um, when I used when I used to uh, work for someone, um, if I had like three four days off for whatever reason, I felt like on those days I wasn't as strict with my diet. I was a little bit more loose, and then mm-hmm. I realized that because the structure because of your day yeah, fell, exactly. Fell off. So I recognized that and was like, okay, I need to make a bigger conscious effort to um to stick with a cleaner diet you know even on my days off and so i think having an awareness of that is definitely the first step um and then another thing that i would recommend to combat those cravings is use substitutes so i personally like to use stevia i use stevia drops and what i'll do for example is uh, i kind of look at it's just like a healthy alternative 
in my opinion, um, where if I have like a protein shake, I'll put a couple of drops of stevia in there. Stevia, stevia, sweeten however you say it up that. A bit. To sweeten it up. So that's kind of like, it, does, it almost becomes like a milkshake type of um, mm-hmm. treat for me. So I can, uh, you know, satiate that, that craving, but also um, keep it healthy. Well, you know what too, man? Like this day and age, technology has come so far to where the alternatives out there like through things like Whole Foods and then uh, uh, like Thrive Market and things like that. They, There's options. They, yeah, they've built a platform of where the entire business model, it is a substitute for the tech, the quote unquote bad mm-hmm. items. The entire market or the entire platform, everything on there is a substitute. So if you just type in oil or you type in chips or you type in snacks, Whatever pops up, that there is going to be your substitute. Yeah. Um, so the other question Kevin had is, what is an easy alternative to bad food choices? And I agree with Dave on this one. Um, I think it's really important to clarify what's a bad food choice because I also think that that's relative to the individual. Yeah. As an example, uh, we've been conditioned. We have been conditioned in many different areas, but this is what I this is what I think about when I hear this question. Because number one, I think it's important to clarify what is a bad food choice, because that's all relative. So for yep. me, um, it let me just put it this way. I think most people would agree that coconut oil is good for you, right? We've heard that coconut oil is good for you but maybe not for you but maybe not for you and i've also read articles that are like why you should never have coconut oil and it's like and then it lists all these reasons why you shouldn't have it so for me i might be like oh oil is bad i can't you shouldn't have oil and i've seen stuff like that too so it's this is why for me when it comes to like this type of stuff nutrition and things like that it's really important to know yourself as much as possible and um, normally what I, what I suggest, and again, this isn't like medical advice, but if you want to know how your body reacts to certain foods, eliminate a lot of foods from your diet and then implement them little by little. So you can see how you feel. Um, because an alternative to bad food choices it's you know here's here's the thing when I was I was I used like to be, how do you know what the alternative yeah, is you don't even know, you know if it's, it's actually bad, bad for well you. here's the thing right so when I was I used to be really overweight when I was in my early 20s and I started going to the gym when I was like 22 and um I lost 60 pounds you know and I pretty much just improved my health and fitness ever since then um what the way that I eat now is completely different from the way that I ate 10 years ago and so Here's the thing. When I first started eating healthy, quote unquote healthy, you guys want to know what my diet was? It was like Subway sandwiches and sun chips. That Which was to some people is that a was healthy extremely option. healthy for me compared to what I was eating. Yeah. And I was eating lean cuisines, frozen foods. You know what I mean? Like those are so those are so, like just salt bombs, like yeah. processed food. But for me at that time that was healthy that was a healthy alternative to what i had been eating and so it's important to understand like where you are and then make minor adjustments from there because i would never eat a lean cuisine now there's no need for me to eat lean cuisine 
at all. You said something key there. And I don't and eat Subway sandwiches. This this is a huge part of, number one is recognizing. A lot of these things is one, recognizing that there's any kind of issue. Rec- just recognizing that you may be consuming, quote unquote, bad foods. Just knowing that that's going on in your life, that's like step one. Step two is exactly what Tone just said was start small. Don't make some drastic, that's when you make a drastic change, that's when you feed somebody uh, a cheeseburger from Burger King and then the next thing you give them one of these impossible burgers and you're like, oh, uh, you know, how's that taste compared to this? It's like, oh, I don't I don't notice a, a change. If you've been nothing but eating cheeseburgers all of your life and somebody feeds you an impossible burger, you will taste a difference. Mm. I can taste a difference and I don't eat cheeseburgers. Yeah. And it's it's like you make a drastic change like that, you're not going to want to go towards that, the, the quote-unquote healthy option. It's, it's going to be too big of an adjustment. You make, the, you make the slow changes, you get the small wins and build up to the gradual big win. Uh, so thank you for the question, Kevin. That is awesome. This next one is a little bit deeper. Uh, this comes from Matt, located in South Africa. All right, what's that? Is that Cape Town? Is Cape Town in Cape, yeah, Cape South Town Africa? Is in South Africa. All right. um, have you dealt with addiction and or how would you advise a client with addiction? So this was what I was referring to earlier with the answer from Martin Luther King or uh, Malcolm X, which was he said that which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. And I know there are different levels of addiction. Um, when I think of addiction, I think of things like smoking. I went through it myself. I can relate to it. Um, but how would I advise a client for uh, addiction? Not getting too into the psychology of it because we're not psychologists, but dealing with something like that I've already dealt with. Uh, let's even put it in the in the realm of like alcohol, alcoholism, alcohol addiction, and cigarette and uh, nicotine addiction. I believe if you don't hate it, you will just suffer through it mm. no matter. I was just having a, a, a conversation with a very close friend of mine who smokes cigarettes, and it's one of those, one of those. oh, I only do it at X time when it's in a social setting, or, oh, I only do it after I have a couple drinks, or I only have one. You know, there's all these excuses and limiting beliefs on, like, what they think, what, what's preventing them. You know, the self-talk of what's preventing them from overcoming it. The number one thing I would say is you would have to hate it in order to quit it. Mm. Mm.